We've been going through a study in the book of Acts. Today is week five. Um, week five of, of this time that we've been spending um, going through, um, looking at, we're really looking at what this early church, what the early church in the book of Acts valued. We're looking at what they valued. And we're going through this as a series. Um, we're, the series titled, Our Values, What They Are and Why They Matter. Because... No matter who you are or where you've been, there are things that you value in your core. There are things that matter to you. And there's a reason why they matter. Some of us don't understand maybe why we value certain things. Um, maybe what we need to do is, is, is get a little bit into God's Word and understand where do these values come from. And as we're reflecting, as we're reflecting on what um, God reveals us, in the book of Acts, through the early disciples, we're seeing that that these early disciples valued some pretty core things. We see that they valued Scripture. We see that they valued the Holy Spirit. We see that they valued 
What else did they value? They valued repentance. And they valued community. And here we are now looking at an, an, one other additional value that we really saw demonstrated quite clearly in this passage before us. And that is that they valued generosity. They valued generosity. Now, if you have, uh, if this is, I know for, for a couple of you, this is the first, um, first time that you have heard uh, a message in this series. So we want to remind you that you can, you can get the rest of these messages online. So go to our site. You can see, you can kind of catch up with us because they are so foundational for us as a church. We wanted to make sure that we could go back to them and review them and remember what it is that, that, that really sets the, the, the tone, sets the atmosphere, sets the trajectory of us as a church. So we're looking here at generosity. What is generosity? Well, from the example that, that we see here in Scripture, we see people um, giving, we see people selling, we see their identifying needs and and meeting those needs. It, it, it pretty much seems as simple as that. Um, some of you, I think a lot of times when we come to a message, we go, oh, this is a message about generosity. So this must be that tithing message, right? This must be that message about how you need to give to the church, right? That's not what this message is. If you're, if you're disappointed, I'm sorry, we can talk afterwards, and I'll explain to you all about giving to the church. But no, this message is about what we are as a people. What we are as a people. Are we a generous people? Are we as a church generous to others? Are we giving more than we're taking? And that is individually and corporately. As a body, are we giving? So our church has made it a, just, just kind of put this out right at the front, our church has made a commitment to give to missions, to give to organizations that are helping people, to give to starting new churches, to give to overseas and, and uh, overseas missions and uh, missions in the Northwest and all over the place. We want to be a generous people. So we've made that commitment in and of ourselves. We want to give of our time. We want to sacrifice a little bit of <coughs> comfort to give and be generous to people. Folks, that's what Hot Fest was all about this weekend. You know, was it easy? No. What, what, are we worn out? Yes. Will I make it through this message? I, I don't know yet. By the grace of God, I'll make it through here with my, without my voice falling apart. But we have given. We have given. That's what we want to be as a church. We want to be a church that gives. So this message, I hope, is not going to be very long. Um, but we're going to see some really, really important things here. Some two main truths from this passage. The first one, and it's in, if you turn to the back of your, your handout, you'll see a place you can take notes there. But the first one is that followers of Jesus practice generosity by meeting needs within and without the community. Followers of Jesus practice generosity by meeting needs within and without the community. These followers, if you look back to verse 32, the followers of Jesus, it, it, this is what it says about them. No one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own. So we could just kind of camp out there for a while and think about the implications. What did that mean for them? 
What did that mean for them? That means they said, this is not my car. This is not, I'm almost, I'm thinking back to uh, an old song. This is not my beautiful house. This is not my beautiful wife. This, but, but look, they said, this is not my property. This is not my house. These are not my own belongings. What, where did they get that concept from? What do you think? Where did they get that from? I believe they, they believe Psalm 24. Psalm 24 verse 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. Folks, everything, everything belongs to God. And we are just here taking care of it for a short period of time. That's what it means to be a steward. A steward is somebody who takes care of something. It doesn't belong to him or her, but he, he takes care of it because it belongs to somebody else. And he wants to honor and he wants to be faithful to the person that he's working for. And this is what was going on in the early disciples. They had this attitude um, of simplicity of heart. We talked about that a little bit last week. Going all the way back to chapter 2, um, verse 46, it said that they received their food. They ate meals together. They shared meals together with glad and, our, my translation says, and generous hearts. Literally, it means simplicity of heart. They, were, they, were, they thought very simply about their things. They thought about them in terms that these were gods that they were, they were stewarding. And, that, and they didn't have their heart in their possessions. How many of you find it difficult to not have your heart in your possessions? In your house, and you're a little bit protective about it, and your car, or maybe your, some tools, and somebody comes over, neighbor comes over, and says, can I borrow this? Yeah, but please bring it right back. Or let me etch my name in it, make sure. You know, we, okay, I'm not, I'm not casting judgment on that, but, but we do, we get so possessive. Our hearts get drawn to these things, right? And the disciples here are showing us that these things, they belong to God. And everything that we own belongs to God. I have to think about that day after day. My car, the home that we live in, our, our, our TV or our clothing or our food or our, what you name it. <clears throat> These are things that are God's that I am stewarding. Remember the, remember the story of the, the rich ruler. Here's an example. Remember this guy who came to Jesus and he said, he said, Lord, good teacher, what must I do to be saved? And so Jesus explained to him, here's what you need to do. Don't you know? You know the laws. You know, you know the rules, the, the, the laws that you all live by as good Jewish people. You, you've, got to, uh, you've got to know the commandments and you got to do not commit adultery and do not murder or steal or bear false witness, lie, in other words, and honor your father and mother. And, and the man said, oh, hey, I've kept all those <coughs> from, from a little boy, from when I was just a youth. I've kept all those. I haven't broken any of those commandments. And so Jesus said to him, one thing you still lack. Sell all that you have and distribute it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. Remember what the man did? No way. He went away sad, it said. He went away sad because he had great treasure. He had great wealth. The, the ESV uh, says he was extremely 
rich. And his heart was on these things. He hadn't learned to practice simplicity of heart. Jesus was challenging him directly on that one issue. If we, are, if we are to practice simplicity of heart, we will become a community that's generous, that is meeting needs within and without the community. So here's what the disciples did. They identified needs. They identified needs. They identified needs, namely, or, or specifically, within the community. Notice that it says in our, in our verses um, that I want to focus on today, verses 34 and 35, it says there was not a needy person among them, within them. Inside that community, there were no needs. How many of y'all have needs? Yes, yes. Okay, everybody has needs. But these disciples were meeting those needs. They were identifying needs in the community. Notice then some of the, some of the examples here. Just uh, in, in the passage that Jeff read, the next couple of verses, we see that Joseph, who was, uh, whose name Barnabas, he sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it to, at the apostles' feet. He saw that there is a need, and I can meet that need. So he identified the need. Later on, a chapter uh, later, we, we get to the beginning of uh, chapter 6 of Acts, and we see that there were these Greek-speaking widows who lived in Jerusalem, and they had needs. They weren't getting distributed like, like they wanted. And so the disciples identified that need, and they sought to meet it. Later on, we see at the end of Acts chapter 11, Here's, here's a man who goes from Jerusalem up to a city called Antioch. And while he's in Antioch, he said, God has spoken to me. He's revealed to me that there is going to be a famine in Judea. And all of our brothers and sisters who live in Jerusalem and in that, in that region, they're going to be hit by this famine. He identified a need and the church identified a need and they met that need. But notice that these are not just needs that, that are being met um, within the community, but also outside the community. What kind, of a, what kind of a witness do you think we can be if we're meeting needs outside of the community? If we're doing, like, for instance, I pick on our friends who are sharing Jesus or spreading the good news of Jesus through tangible acts of service. If we're meeting needs outside of the community. Back in Acts chapter 3, the, the apostles we're going into the temple, and here's a man outside of their community. It wasn't one of them. He didn't come and worship with them. He was a man who was lame. They identified his need, and they said, Hey, guess what? We can meet your need. And it's not just for a few coins to get you by, but it's so that your whole being can be healed, and you can be a whole person, and you can worship God. And they met that man's need. Uh, Jesus, he met the Samaritan woman, at the well in John chapter 4. Here is a woman who is as far outside the community of faith at that time as you could all probably get. The Samaritans, the Jews didn't like, like the Samaritans. They didn't like her. She was a woman. And not only that, she wasn't just a Samaritan woman, but she was an outcast in her community. She was an outcast of outcasts. And Jesus went to her, and he gave her the living water. He gave her the truth of the gospel and changed her life and changed her family's life and changed her entire community. He also reached out to a woman who lived, this, the Syrophoenician woman. Say that ten times fast. He, he met the need of this woman 
who had a sick daughter. And he said to her, <laughs> kind of shockingly to us, he said, hey, let me give you a little parable. You know, you don't take the food from the, the children at the table and give it to the dogs. In other words, I'm, he's saying, I'm here to, to minister to my own people, the Jewish people, and you're not part of the Jewish community. He was testing her faith. And she said, but even the dogs get some of the crumbs that fall from the table, right? Jesus saw her faith, healed her daughter, and met that need. Met the need of somebody outside of the community. Well, that goes on to the next very... They didn't just identify needs. All of these people had needs that were identified by Jesus or the apostles. They actually met the needs. They met needs. And Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, He said, when you, when you give to the needy, when you give to the needy, He didn't say that if you decide that every once in a while you're going to give to the needy, Every once in a while, you may run into somebody who has a need. Every once in a while, you might find it in your heart to help somebody out in need. But they identified needs, they met needs, and Jesus says that this habitual habit of meeting needs is something you need to continue to do. When you meet needs, don't do it for show. It's not for you, it's for them. It's to meet that need, to be a blessing to that person. And Jesus will see it, and he will reward you. Jesus will reward your work. Jesus will reward the hours you spend meeting needs. Jesus will reward you for serving, for giving sacrificially. What good is it, my brothers, James says, James says this in James chapter 2. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? And can that faith save him? Here's an example. If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warm and filled, without giving him or giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. What faith is it for us to say, I believe God can meet your needs, and then have the, have the ability to meet the need and not, meet, and not meet it? Go on. Go on with you. I, hope you. I hope you are fed. I hope you are warmed. I hope you are taken care of and send them on their way. What needs have you all identified there are people all around, all around us. There, and, and from the nods of heads, there are needs within the community. What needs have you identified? What needs are you meeting? That's kind of the question of the day. Here's some, here, here's some needs. The need of time. I, I remember that when Cheryl was, when we were, well, not Cheryl, but when our girls were younger, um, one of the things that Cheryl needed, she needed time. She just needed time. There are people around us, maybe like mothers, they just need time. They need somebody to come and say, look, I'll take care of your children for a while so you can have time, time to rest, time to shop, time to play. There are people who need time. There are people who need friendship, right? Who doesn't need friendship? We all need it. How we identified that there may be some people around us, they just don't have any friends. They don't have anybody in their life. 
Maybe they just need somebody to hang out with every once in a while and talk to and be a friend. There's the need of money. That, that almost goes without saying. When we're talking about needs, we almost always jump right to that. Like, some people need money. They've got to pay bills. Some people need car or home repairs, right? I know of a family right now who needs some car repairs. I wonder if we as a community could, could possibly meet that need. The need for food. Basic sustenance. The need for housing. Here's something. We have families coming up in a couple of weeks from, from Georgia, and they need a place to stay. So we're trying to meet their needs, and we've got families who are saying, okay, we'll, we'll put them up. That's awesome. That's awesome. We're meeting needs. Not everybody can meet every need, but those who can, can. They need for uh, travel arrangements. That's kind of an unusual one. I threw that on there because a, few, uh, a couple years ago, um, God really laid it on my heart to join our, the church that we were a part of at the time in Alabama, to join with a team that was going overseas to do some missions work. Had an opportunity to go all the way to Ethiopia and spend some time working with pastors there that were in all of the villages, and they needed, they, they needed, they wanted training. They said, come and teach us more from the Word so that we can be more faithful pastors so that we can tell people about Jesus and help them. So we went there, um, but it wasn't without some challenges and difficulties. Um, how was I going to get there? This is going to cost about $2,500. Where was I going to come up with this? Because it wasn't in the bank account. It wasn't there for us to, to, to spend. So we began praying about it. and we, we decided that God really wanted us to be there. And He really wanted us to go. He's going to provide for us. He's going to take care of us. And little by little, the prayer was answered. One week I get a phone call from our missions pastor. Hey, somebody, somebody's donating some, some money. And so we got this amount taken care of. And a couple weeks later, someone come up to me um, after church and say, hey, here's, here's something. Hand me, hand me a little something. This is to help you guys out. And then um, a few weeks later, the missions pastor would call again and said, hey, guess what? We got this amount covered. Before you knew it, I, my way was paid. My travel arrangements and everything associated with Ethiopia was taken care of. And we, we sacrificed as well because we had to put money into the, into the uh, pot as well. So we, we said, well, let's go ahead. We'll just take that a little bit of that. We have a little bit. We don't have all of it. We have some of it. We'll put it in too. We'll go. We'll get there. It was one of the most amazing experiences of my life. And it, wasn't, it wouldn't have been possible had people not identified a need <coughs> and then decided to meet that need. Well, why, why are we generous like that? Why, why be motivated to identify needs and meet needs? Because of this. Followers of Jesus practice generosity because Jesus has been generous to them. Jesus has been generous to them. Look at, look at verse 33 with me in your Bibles. They, with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. Great grace was upon them all. The followers of Jesus here, they understood that they had received much from God. 
Because he had been very generous with them. He had been gracious to them. He had given them everything through the gospel. They've talked about and they gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. The gospel was their greatest gift that they had ever received. Every good gift, it says, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. That's James 1.17. Incidentally, that is, the, that is our verse of the week. Did you know that? That's our verse of the week. We're encouraging everybody to memorize a verse of Scripture every week with us as a family, as a church. We're doing that. And this just happens to be the verse of the week. And I thought it was so appropriate because it's all about generosity. God has been generous to us. He has given us grace. He has given us Jesus. And the disciples, they were motivated by the giver of all things. They were motivated by him. Paul says, and this is found later in Acts chapter 17, that the God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands, as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind, life and breath and everything. Folks, God is completely self-sufficient. And He gives to us. That is our motivation to be a giver. That is our motivation to be generous. The, the disciples here gave because God gave. For God so loved the world that He what? He gave. He gave His only Son. And whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. That's the gospel. They understood that not a single one of us can outgive Jesus. Jesus said, For even the Son of Man, he's talking about himself, came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life. To give his life as a ransom for men. Later, Paul said this, For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. He gave himself. That's what Jesus did. He not only left his throne in heaven, he not only left perfection, he not only left glory, he came to live with us on earth. How many of you have had a rough life? How many of you have trials? How many of you have gone through pain and suffering? Yes. How many of you are going through pain and suffering this morning trying to recover from this weekend? I am. He went through everything. He faced it all. He lived a perfect sinless life even in the midst of the pain and suffering. He didn't fight back. He didn't sin in the midst of it. When people sinned against him, he didn't sin back. He lived a perfect, sinless life. And then at the proper time, He gave Himself. He gave Himself for us. He met our most important need. He met the, the greatest need we could ever have. And that is this, that we are separated from God. That we are separated from God. And we will be separated from, from God for all eternity. The only thing that will connect us back to God and bring us back into that right relationship, into the life that God wants us to live is Jesus. And Jesus gave himself because he's a giver. Because he's a generous God. The gospel, folks, is the ultimate story of generosity. 
It is generosity to people who don't deserve, they don't deserve a single good thing from God. But God shows his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for us. Romans chapter 5. We were messed up. That's how he loves you. That's how he, we know he loves you. Because while we were so screwed up that we couldn't put heads or tails, we couldn't find God if, if we, he was the only person in the room. It's like the elephant in the room that everyone wants to not talk about. He's like the elephant in the room that we can't even see and we couldn't even find if he was the only thing in the room. That's how messed up we were. You know how messed up we were? We were dead. That's what the Bible says. You were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. He's talking to people. He's talking to believers here. He's talking to them. He's telling, he's telling these believers, he's saying, you're in Christ now, but, but before Christ, man, you were dead. You were messed up. You were walking in the way of the world, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. That's the devil. That's Satan, who is alive and at work, and he's trying to deceive us, and he's just try trying to deceive the people around us, and he's trying to keep us from following Jesus. He doesn't want God to be glorified. He hates what God has done. He wants to be God. And he can't be God, ever. Ever. And he's trying to destroy us, and that's why we're dead. Among whom, the Bible says, we all once lived in the passions of our flesh. All we cared about was just giving in to our desires. Carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. Sinning with our bodies, sinning with our minds. We were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. All mankind are children of wrath. In other words, because we're separated from God, the only good, holy, just thing that God could do is to punish us. To punish us. But God. But God. There is another side to the story. There is a generous God. There is a God who is rich in mercy. And because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Folks, that is the message of the gospel. We all either are dead right now in our trespasses, or we were dead and we've been made alive. But we're not going to be made alive unless we come to Christ. God has given us Jesus so that we can be saved. He's given us grace. Folks, if you're not practicing generosity, might it be possible that you haven't come to fully understand how generous our God is and how much He's been He's given to us? He's given us life and breath and everything. Namely, He's given us Jesus. That's the good news. He's given us Jesus. And it doesn't matter where we're at. The, our response is either to come to faith in Jesus and receive his generosity or to just throw it back in his face and say, I don't, I don't want anything to do with you, Jesus. I don't want anything to do with you. I don't want you to change me because I'm fine the way I am. I'm just going to go on my merry way. I'm going to live my life. I'm going to make the choices I want to make. 
and not receive from our generous God life and breath and everything? And those of us who are in Christ, we walk in joy and we have generous hearts because we are in Christ and we have received the greatest gift. I want to tell you a short story about a man who's one of my heroes. It's hard to say I have. It's hard to say heroes because um, because I, I don't want to idolize anybody, but Jesus, because Jesus is our ultimate hero. But here's a man who I want to learn from because he was a man who was so overcome by the generosity of God in his own life that he devoted his entire life, his family. His her heritage, the, the family uh, heritage that he came from, he, he devoted his career, he sacrificed it, his income for the sake of Christ and for the sake of gospel. Listen to what he says. As he was, he was a young man and, he's, and he, is a, he, was at, he was at college and he's trying to, trying to come to terms with this call of Jesus on his life. And this is what he said. He said it was during a solitary walk in the woods behind the college while meditating and praying on the subject, the subject of what am I going to do with my life in service to God? God is call, was calling him into, in service, calling him to be generous with his life. And he's meditating praying on this. And look, this is what he says. And feeling half inclined to give it up. <laughs> Like, maybe I should just stop praying and meditate. I'm not getting anywhere. That was when he said, The command of Christ, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, was presented to my mind with such clearness and power that I came to a full decision, and though great difficulties appeared in my way, resolved to obey the command at all events. He decided... He decided that what God was saying to him was that he needed to leave his little home in New England. And he needed to leave the, uh, an opportunity to have <coughs> probably one of the greatest apprenticeships in the, in the entire United States to leave that and, and a future at probably being one of the premier theologians and preachers and pastors of his time and to to follow God across the oceans to India, to, to Central Asia. He end up, ended up being in Burma, and he lived his entire life there. And when they, he and some friends resolved, they said together, they wrote this out, that after examining all the information which they could obtain, identifying the needs, is what they did. They said they consider themselves as devoted to this work for life, whenever God in his providence shall open the way. And God did make a way. And God did make a way for him and his, and his brand new wife and a couple, other, a couple other friends to go overseas. This is what he said to, listen to what he said to his wife's, oh, before, before they married, what he said to his uh, future father-in-law. I have now to ask whether you can consent to part with your daughter early next spring to see her no more in this world. How about that for asking for a hand in marriage? And then he went on to say whether you can consent to her exposure to the dangers of the ocean, to the fatal influence of the southern climate of India, to every kind of want and distress, 
to degradation, insult, persecution, and perhaps a violent death. Can you consent to all this for the sake of him who left his heavenly home and died for her sake and for you, for the sake of perishing immortal souls, for the sake of Zion and the glory of God? Jesus said, in calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can man give in return for his soul? Folks, God has been a generous God. God so moved that a man like Adoniram Judson that he spent 40 years in Burma. 40 years. And, how, and he returned to the United States one time. One time. A year before, two years before he died. And when he died, there were 76 churches in Burma. There was a Burmese Bible. There was a Burmese dictionary. There were 150 some odd pastors that he had trained and equipped to, to minister and serve. There were thousands of Christians, and today there are millions of Christians in Burma, modern Myanmar. There are millions of Christians there. Because one man said, I am going to go there and be devoted to this work for life. I don't know, maybe God, want, maybe God wants to move in your heart through that story and cause you to go somewhere for life. Or maybe he wants you to just start being devoted to him for life now. God has, is a generous God. What can we profit, what can we possibly gain in this world that we can't forfeit in order to receive life, in order to receive glory from God? What needs are you aware of? What needs are you aware of? Some, part of our challenge right now this morning is to identify needs. Make a list. Look around you. Do your need, are there needs in your neighborhood? Are there needs in your family? Think about the people that you have written on that transformation card. Do you know needs of those individuals there? Make a list. And then start asking people. Sometimes we just have no idea. I know we talk, a lot of, we talk to a lot of people who are pretty self-sufficient, but if you ask them long enough and you show care and concern long enough, eventually they're going to tell you, well, actually, I, I do have this need. And then, why don't you do this too? Share your own needs. If you have a need, don't keep it to yourself. Like, I'll get through, I'll get by, we'll take care of it. I'll, I'll find a way. Share it with your community. Share it in your missional community. Share it with the church body. Share your own needs. And maybe that's going to be a, just a, an explosion. That will start an explosion of need sharing. So we can identify what are the needs around us. And then ask yourself the question, what needs are you meeting? What needs are you meeting? Do you need to practice simplicity of heart? Get our hearts off of more of our stuff and get our hearts more on being generous. What do you need to sell 
Maybe you need to have a yard sale. Just get rid of stuff. Or stop buying or stop subscribing to in order to be, or, uh, to be more generous, in order to practice generosity. Maybe we're so strapped paying for stuff that we don't really need that we can't be generous the way we would really love to be and that God would love to see us be. So what needs are you aware of? What needs are you meeting? And have you had your ultimate need met in Christ? That's really the question today. Have you had your ultimate need met in Christ? Your need for a Savior, your need to find yourself right with God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I love you. I love you. God, we are so great, grateful for what you have done, for giving us your son, Jesus. God, the greatest gift that could ever be given. God, we want to be a generous people. We want to, to value this. We want this to be a mark, a, a, a distinguishing feature of our church and our community, that we are a generous people because you have been generous to us. God, I pray that you will develop in our hearts generosity, gratitude for what you have done, and just a desire to love you, serve you, and to be devoted to you for life. Everything that we have is yours. God, use us. We surrender it all to you, Lord. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me? We are going to sing.